Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, we've been doing what has turned into a series of programs on global flood legends from cultures around the world. And today we'll be learning about a few more. Well, that's right, Scott. You know, when I started learning about this subject, I figured we would do maybe two programs on it, but mm-hmm. this will be the fourth. And I do think it will be the last. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I've certainly learned a lot of information, you know, stuff I didn't even know existed about the many cultures and people groups who have some kind of story about a flood that covered the whole world or destroyed all the people on the earth, except for those who were saved by building some kind of watercraft. Yeah, we've had canoes, yeah. <laughs> we've had chests, all kinds of funny watercraft. Yeah, and that idea of a few people saved in a boat, that sounds familiar. Uh-huh. What has impressed me is how widespread these accounts of a flood around the world are. Mm-hmm. We've studied the stories of cultures from literally every part of the world. Yes, we have. Let's list the cultures we've covered so far. Greek mythology, the Babylonian Gilgamesh epic, the Casca Indians of British Columbia, the Qingpa people of Burma, the Indian Hindu religious writings passed down from the Aryan people, and the Karina people of the Caribbean area of South America. So that includes Europe, the Middle East, Northwest America, Southeast Asia, Central Asia, and the Caribbean and South America. We only seem to be missing the South Pacific and Africa. Well, Scott, let's see what else we find. Okay. And as I've done in each program, I want to give credit to the source of most of this information we're sharing. It's the book titled Flood Legends, Global Clues of a Common Event, written by Charles Martin. And to any of our listeners who have been especially interested in this topic, as we've been discussing it in the last few weeks, I definitely recommend you get the book. It's available in the Creation Research Society bookstore. That website is creationresearch.org, or you can buy it on Amazon, of course. When did he write the book? Uh, 2009. So not too long ago. No, uh uh-uh. So, Scott, you mentioned we hadn't heard a South Pacific legend yet. Well, here's one from Australia. And I have to admit, it is hardly at all like the biblical account of the flood, but it does include the key detail we're emphasizing as we compare these stories. It says the flood covered the whole world. And on top of that, This story is just plain funny. Oh, good. I'll read from Charles Martin's book. This is the flood according to the Aborigines of Lake Tyres, Victoria. And that's in Australia. Once upon a time, a huge frog swallowed all the water of the world and everyone was thirsty. The plants were parched and the fish were most put out by the inconvenience. (laughs) They flopped about on the dry land, gasping for air. Because of this, all the animals took a poll and decided that the best way to make the frog give back the water was to make him laugh. (laughs) So they all stood in front of him playing pranks and cutting up. They were so hilarious that anyone else would have died laughing, but the frog did not even smile. Stoic as ever, he sat curled up in a dreadfully drab silence with his big eyes and swollen, water-filled cheeks. Finally, As a last resort, the eel wriggled about, dancing and swaying as it stood up on its tail. Not even the glum frog could watch this without laughing. He laughed and he laughed until tears ran down his cheeks. 
The water poured from his mouth and soon became a flood. Ah. The waters rose, killing many people. In fact, all of mankind would have drowned if the pelican had not paddled about in a canoe, rescuing survivors as he went. Okay. (laughs) So, Scott, what do you think? Do you think the source of that story is the actual flood recorded in Genesis? Well, I think applying the telephone principle that we referenced in previous episodes to that story would have to mean it got told by too many grandparents to their grandchildren before bedtime as they tried to get them to go to sleep. (laughs) But as you pointed out, there is the reference to the idea that all mankind would have drowned if they hadn't been rescued, in this case, by a pelican paddling about in a canoe. (laughs) Yes. Well, there's this underlying idea that once upon a time, the world was flooded. But I, I do like the idea of, you know, If the grandparents tell their grandchildren about the story and then those children grow up and then they tell the story to their grandchildren, we could imagine that Mm -hmm. as the telephone game goes, the story would get pretty distorted over many generations. Well, Dr. Scripture, this does have something else in common with the biblical flood story Uh and some of the other stories that we've been reading these last few weeks. What's that? A bird figures prominently in it. Oh, yeah, that's (laughs) true. (laughs) In a different way. (laughs) uh, Paddling around a canoe is pretty far-fetched. So I I think we can agree that that's the craziest story yet. But it was so funny. I wanted to read it, and I hope everyone got a chuckle. (laughs) Yeah. And Scott, like you said, it's a good story to tell the kids before bedtime. Just also make sure you read the real story to your children, and you can emphasize how practical and reasonable the Genesis account really is. So that was from the Aborigines of Australia. Let's go to the opposite side of the planet and read about the flood according to the hareskin Indians of North America. I have never heard of the hareskin Indians. Do you know what part of North America they're from? Uh, I do not, but maybe since they're just saying that they're from North America, maybe they're you know spread out over a large region, but I don't know. Anyway, this is the flood according to the hareskin Indians in North America. A wise man long ago decided to build a large raft. His wife watched him build it for several days. Finally, she asked him, Why do you build a great raft? Because, he answered, I foresee a terrible catastrophe. The earth will flood, and we shall all take refuge on my raft. But when he told his plan to his neighbors, they all laughed at him. Hmm. The wise man, nonetheless, continued to build his raft. He placed large logs side by side. Then he twisted roots together to make a sturdy rope and use the rope to lash the trees together. Without warning, a flood such as has never been seen before came upon the people of the earth. Water came at them from every direction, and though men climbed trees, the water continued to rise, eventually washing them all away until everyone had drowned. The wise man, however, floated safely with his wife, who was also his sister, in their strong and sturdy raft. As he floated, it occurred to him that all of the animals would drown too. So as he floated, he gathered pairs of all the tame animals, the birds, and even the beasts of prey. The earth was eventually gone. It disappeared under the water, and for many weeks, no one even considered going to look for it. The first to dive in was the muskrat, but swim as he might, he never reached the bottom. By the time he returned to the surface, he was nearly drowned to death. 
When he had caught his breath, he told the wise men that the earth was not to be found. After a few days, he tried again. This time, when he returned, he reported that he could smell the earth, but could not touch it. On the third attempt, the beaver tried. He kicked fast and hard and was gone for a very long time. At last, to everyone's relief, he appeared. Though he was much out of breath and nearly unconscious, he was holding in his paw a bit of mud. Hmm. The wise man thanked the beaver, took the mud, and placed it in the water. He leaned over the edge of the raft and breathed on the mud, whispering, I wish for there to be land once more. At that moment, the mud began to grow. The wise man placed a small bird on the patch of mud, and the mud did not sink. In fact, it continued to grow. So he breathed on it again and put a fox on it. Still, the mud grew, and the fox ran around it in a single day. Around and around the fox went, and the island continued to grow bigger and bigger. The fox ran around the island six times. By the seventh time around, the land was complete, as if the flood had never even happened. Then the wise man unloaded all of the animals, and they walked for the first time in a long time on dry ground. Last of all came the man, his wife, and their son, and soon afterwards the earth was repeopled. So now the hareskin Indian story has a couple of facets to it that parallels the Hebrew account. What did you notice, Scott? Well, when the wise man warns the people that the flood was coming, the people all laughed at him. And as I recall, Dr. Scripture, the Karina peoples of the Caribbean area, which is also in the Western Hemisphere, like the Hareskins, had that detail in their story. That's right, which supports the telephone principle idea, because it is likely that the Hareskin are more closely related to the Karina than, say, the Babylonians. Yeah. Then another couple of parallels between the Hareskin and Hebrew stories are that the wise men collected pairs of all the animals. And the process of the earth drying up, which is a major part of the Genesis account, is also recorded there. It's a big part of the story in the hareskin account. And using animals to assess the receding of the flood is also part of the hareskin legend. Yeah, the beaver bringing back a lump of mud kind of reminds me of the bird bringing back the olive twig. Yeah, really. Well, Dr. Scripture, the one continent we have not heard a flood legend from is Africa. Mm -hmm. That's a big continent with a lot of different people groups. So do any of those people groups have a flood story? Well, Scott, this is all I could find. From our friends at Wikipedia, it said, quote, although the continent has relatively few flood legends, African cultures preserving an oral tradition of a flood include the Kwaya, Mbuti, Maasai, Mandine, and Yoruba peoples. I hope I pronounced those all correctly, unquote. (laughs) However, I didn't look for the details of those peoples' oral traditions. The lesson from all these accounts from the cultures and people groups of the world is all humanity, no matter where they migrated to after the Great Flood, have kept the memory of that colossal event through their oral and written records. They certainly have been distorted, (laughs) some much worse than others, my favorite being a pelican paddling around (laughs) in a canoe, picking up stragglers. (laughs) But anyway, the sheer number of similar specifics shared amongst the various stories demonstrate a common source. Just as the title of Charles Martin's book says, the flood legends are global clues of a common event. That event, 
the flood recorded accurately in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. But despite the striking similarities of these accounts, some mythologists have looked at the minor differences in the stories and declared, this never happened. Well, I can understand that they might not agree with the idea that the Bible was the original account and the first account, but the idea that every culture records a global, colossal flood like this surely points to the idea that there's a common source for this story. Yeah. Did the flood happen versus is the Bible the correct version? Those are two different questions. That's correct. But of course, the point we've been making is the biblical story is so reasonable compared to paddling pelicans, (laughs) that it makes sense that it is the original. And of course, as Bible believers, it is an accurate account of what actually happened in history. So this other alternative to accept that the different versions all refer to the same event is surely most reasonable. And through these legends, this epic event has remained woven into the tapestry of cultural history, sharing not just the story of survival, but the power of obedience as Noah did what the Lord told him to do when he told him to build an ark. And he said, as recorded in Genesis 6, verse 17 and following, And behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And then verse 22, thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. And that's not what I say, that's what scripture says. 